Blog Talk Radio. Now it's time to bring in the master. Grab your cigar and rum and tune in for the Kayak Fishing Raw Podcast. Hosted by Bigfoot Jays and Wahoo Joe. Straight out of Hawthorne. All right, I want to welcome everyone to the Kayak Fishing Raw podcast, sponsored by Costa Sunglasses, See What's Out There, and Railblazer, Hold Everything. Jim, it's good to see you, my friend. Joe, it's good to be seen, although I wish I wasn't here right now. Uh, I know. I should know. be out fishing. So just so you guys know, to fill you in on what's going on, we have Jim Sammons here. He came to Papano Beach to film one of his shows for the Sailfish Smackdown, and... Jim, what did you and do? As, did you do? as per usual, when I come to Florida, I bring wind and rain <laughs> and everything you don't want to have. Do you have an Indian hex on you in South Florida? I, I think I've got something going on. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we've dealt with weather all over the place where we've gone. Right. But Florida in particular seems to hate me. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Um, Sideways rain. To, to put it to people this way. In seven, six years, something like that, uh, not 76, seven or six years, we haven't had to postpone an event. And I can bring it. <laughs> I can bring it. Oh, my God. So we postponed the Sailfish Smackdown to February 10th and 11th. We're going to have the kickoff party at Brew's Room. Uh, and as you guys know, we're going to have a huge raffle to benefit the Broward's Children's Center. Um Unfortunately, Jim, you're not going to be able to make it to that yeah, date. I don't think we're going to be able to make it back. Okay, okay. Well, you're probably happy about that. <laughs> no, no. I'll bring a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did go fishing at Lake Ida yeah. yesterday. Yeah, in the wind. Right. So... And... Well, you were the you were you were the king. I mean, you got at least you got two fish, right? So we uh, we did a little fishing in Lake Ida uh, for his for his show. We're trying to do some filler stuff, and uh, I got a couple bass. Uh, but we did notice, I, I really think these cold fronts are starting to affect us here in South Florida. Um, you know, we were seeing dead, dead peacock, peacock bass, dead uh, iguanas. Yeah, Jim hooked into like a monster 40 pound <laughs> dead iguana. Um, yeah, lucky enough to, the biggest thing I hook is a dead iguana. <laughs> I think Will said it best. There was like these kids on the post and he was like, shit. <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the coolest, you know, I, we were talking about it earlier today, uh, Will and I and Brooks, we were saying the absolute coolest thing yesterday, right? The golden retriever. Yes. <laughs> do you want to talk about that? Or do you want me to talk? About oh that? man. I, 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 this, this was, I love goldens. I have a golden retriever. Right. And we just passed two really spunky, just wild, oh, yeah. young golden White. retrievers. Yeah. And, and then we're we, fishing. We got our lines out. We're doing like a fast drift. The wind's at our back. Yeah. And then we come past and there's this guy on the dock in a swing. And we look over and there's his other, uh, a little bit older golden retriever. And I've never seen an animal so locked in on what it, it, it was like. He was, was he on the pro- turtle or something. Well, I that? think he thinks he was looking at something alive, but I think in reality, he was like staring at a leaf. Yeah. I, th- this dog literally, so we're drifting. And the dog is like his foot is slowly lifting, and he's just staring at like this black leaf or turtle or I don't know what it was, but 
this thing. We were making noises. We're talking. One of your guys dropped his phone. I mean, it's chaos. And this dog is just literally like he was laser focused and literally for like probably five minutes as we drifted (laughs) through that area. This dog did not move. Never looked at us. Never seen anything like that. (laughs) I said it was so cool. I mean, I love Goldens and the personalities of seeing three different Goldens. Each one of their personalities is so different. Yeah. But I've never seen that. A golden is so locked in. He didn't look at us for like 10 minutes. No. At I, all. Like we drifted. We were gone. Well, we were there looking around for Brooks's phone, <laughs> which is a whole nother story. Brooks right. lost his phone. Uh, um, and the dog never looked at us. Yeah, that, that was So, I, mean, I, think what, I think what this kind of says is that, you know, we're here. We came here to do the Sailfish Smackdown. Sure. We came here to go fishing for big fish. We went out on a crappy, windy day yeah. and still had a great time and laughed and, yeah. and had some fun. Yeah, and I mean, that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, fishing, fishing, um, you know, especially hanging out with you guys. I mean, it was a ball. I mean. <laughs> you make the best of it, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with Jim, with, with you, though, personally, like, I kind of want to know. Um, we've had you on the podcast before. Yep. Um, but we never really got into, like, like, you personally on, like, how did you get started into all this? I mean, you are, like, one of the top guys. In the industry. Well, one of the old guys, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? It was just a, a passion that I had. Uh, you know, I started kayak fishing. My father-in-law introduced me to kayaking. Right. Um, and In California, right? In, in San Diego, okay. yeah. And uh, I was already fishing off of surfboards. Right. I, I never had any money. I couldn't afford a boat, anything like that. So when he introduced me to kayaking, touring yeah. kayaks, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I started looking around and found some of the very first sit on top kayaks, the old ocean kayak scuppers. And I just started doing it. And then I would find myself talking about kayak fishing almost more than I was fishing. I would get off the water and it was so unusual then. I mean, you just didn't see kayak fishermen. So you would see me coming in and I'd have a yellowtail or something like that. What year is this around? uh, This would have been late 80s or early early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I started my guide business in 1994. So, um, and that was uh, the same thing. It's like I was talking to people about kayak fishing so much. Every time I'd get off the water, I'd then spend another hour talking to people. Sure. And so my buddy's like, dude, you, this is, you love this so much. You should try to do something with it. Now back, now back then, was this like all word of mouth? Because I mean, with the internet and stuff like that, it was yeah. still. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was word of mouth. Um, it was still magazines, magazines that were still actually being read, yeah. newspapers. We had a great outdoor writer in San Diego named Ed Zeralski. Okay. And the very first year that Tiger Woods won the uh, Masters. Yeah, he's a Raider fan, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing that out there. I, I do root for the Raiders every time they play the Chargers now. Really? Every time. Well, you, I'm, you're I'm, off the, uh, I'm char- pissed that they left. The Chargers are dead to me. Okay. So you were one of the fans that that threw the jersey in the fire. I uh, yeah, I okay. got rid of every piece of Charger gear I had. I I watched one NFL game this year. Really? It was, and I I mean I, I was hardcore football. I played football. I yeah. I loved. I football. saw your post in the past. I, I yeah, mean, you I mean, were yeah. So I watched one game. Now was that because of the just NFL and. It was just dead to me. Yeah. So I watched. It was a tough year. I watched the Charger Raider game, rooting for the Raiders, and I never thought. And I thought never in my life would I ever root for the Raiders. Wow. 
and the freaking Raiders let me down. <laughs> it sucks this year, man. Oh, my God. But Chucky's back. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited. Um, we got off a little bit with football, but that's what we do on this podcast. Yeah, well, like I said, so anyway, you know, so I, it's just one of those things. I mean, I just I just had this passion for it yeah. and started. Uh, now, how fast, how fast was it building, you know, your, your, your business? I mean, you started with. Well, I did. Yeah. Well, I did it as a side business. I was a truck driver. Uh, I worked for Pepsi-Cola for a long time. And uh, so it was kind of a sideline. I I, I worked four days and had three days off that I could guide. Right. And I I, I basically, I've always, even back then, I've always stayed as busy as I wanted to be. Okay. You know, and sometimes because I've got a really bad back, sometimes that's working seven days a week. Sometimes that's working one or two days a month. You know, and, and now, thankfully, with the shows and, you know, the interwebs, yeah. um, you know, like I said, it's still the same. I can still work when I want to work. Um, but, the, now, but now it's a different world compared to what it was back oh, then. It's, I mean, it's when you so started, different. it's, it's got to be. It, it's so different. Like I said, Ed Zorowski wrote a great article about me that year that Tiger Woods won. It was in the same weekend issue. Okay. Full page article about my business. And I spent the next week on the phone nonstop, just answering calls. And that really kind of built things up. And then um, I hurt my back badly at, at Pepsi and I couldn't go back to the job. And uh, so I started, once I had my back surgery and got all, all sorted away, I just started guiding more full time. And then I uh, met Ken Whiting at a trade show. Uh, Ken Whiting is uh, from Heliconia Press, my producer of the show, and uh, I proposed an idea of a TV show to him, Very cool. and he goes, uh, I know nothing about TV. Really? Oh, no, he'd never done TV. Oh, so uh, I'm picturing like a producer, like he's ready. No, to- he, what, Ken, Ken is a former world champion whitewater kayaker who uh, became well-known for making instructional videos and books. Interesting. So I just pitched this idea of what I want. He goes, well, I know nothing about TV. How about we do uh, a DVD? And so my idea uh, was kind of along the lines of a Warren Miller film. If you know, Warren Miller made these ski films that were just awesome. They were cool people, great music, cool locations. Our rest in peace, Warren Miller. He just passed away a couple days ago or yesterday, maybe. Uh, But that was my thought was a show like that. And my uh, it was going to be kayak fishing the world. And now I, I got to admit, I, what did he say though? I well, mean, I pitched this idea to anybody I ever met oh. who um, had any kind of production kind of deal going on. I'm like, I just kept throwing it out there. Eventually it might stick. And most of the time it didn't. And so after I proposed this idea to Ken about three weeks later, I got a phone call from him and he goes, Jim, we're going to do this. Can you be in Florida, Florida? Our very first shoot was in Florida. Uh, can you be in Florida in, uh, May or when I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So wait, he's saying right away, he just said, just, I need you to drop what you're doing. Yep. Come to Florida. We're going to start our first episode. Yep. Well, we're going to make a DVD. Okay. And what we made, what, what, what year was this around? Well, what year was this? I don't remember. Well, what are we, where are we at? <laughs> 11 or 12 years ago, because we're shooting right now. We're, we're going to begin shooting for our 10th year on the air. Wow. And we started Congrats, and man. we started shooting two years before that for the DVDs. So we did a game on kayak fishing game on. And that was our first DVD. And we made four of those. But uh, right when we started shooting game on two, Yeah. Uh, 
the network, the World Fishing Network was really just getting going and they needed content. Yeah. And they asked us to turn our DVDs into a TV show. So as we were shooting the second DVD, we kind of had to change our mindset onto how we were shooting. It was no longer just the, you know, we had to be a little more uh, commercial, if okay. you will. Yeah. Um, now, at the time, Will was with you, right? Will and I, my partner in crime over here, old married couple, <laughs> or we certainly sound like a lot of time. Will and I have been shooting together since day one. Okay. So I've never had another videographer. So it's been That's a great, cool. re- uh, it's been a great relationship. We fight like an old married yeah. couple sometimes, but uh, we also know how each other works. Well, I was laughing about that like, all last night. I couldn't even go to bed. No. I need somebody to rescue me. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. What were we talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's just we we have a relationship where we, we bicker and fight but we know yeah, how we know how we work right. and and we get the job done and i i guess the beauty of it is that yeah we're shooting for our 10th year on the air yeah so somebody must be watching somebody must like of course, it man. uh yeah. we, mu- we must be doing something right uh we always have fun yeah and that's always the key whether we're having to deal with stuff like you know the weather we've had here every single time i come to florida and uh but we always make the best of it and yeah. and i think that comes across in the show or at least i hope it does as someone that's watched the show uh i would say my favorite part of the show is how real you guys are because like you can come across some shows and you'll watch it and you know like it's reality tv but you know it's fake right you guys it's it's real um it, maybe it's because i know you guys i don't know how that works but when I watch you guys, it, it, it's believable. It's real. It's it's what you guys really well, do. Well, and and what we've I and mean that's important. We've had a policy since day one. Yeah. We don't fake it. Yeah. If the fishing's good, and I could vouch for that. If, if the fishing's good, we're showing us catching fish. Right. If the fishing's bad, we will say it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. I have never, and I'm proud to say, I've never taken a hand off in this show. Uh, you know, and we've had plenty of people want me to. It's good to know. I wouldn't, I'd never have somebody hand me a rod or another fish. And I, I mean, I've had guides on the trip get very frustrated and angry, but then after the fact say, you know you what, Jim, angry? Oh, well, cause you're, you're trying to show them too. And then, uh, so they don't want to have a, a, a show where nothing happened. Right. And so if they've got a line in on the guide boat and I won't paddle over and take it. They get, they get a little, a little perturbed, irritated. but yeah. then after the fact, more often than not, they're like, you know what, Jim, it pissed me off at the time. I really respect that yeah. because we all know people in this business know that a lot of shows aren't like that. Of course. There's a lot of faking going on of course. and we've just never, ever allowed it. Yeah. And because we want it to be real. Yeah. I mean, it's fishing. We all have bad trips. Yeah. We all have bad weather. You know, that's the thing I th- I feel like people sometimes forget that, you know, they, they always want all this stuff to be perfect, even with the tournaments, you know, but people forget it's fishing. Like you're going to have those days. Um, you're going to have days where it's too windy. You're going to have days where the fishing sucks. You're going to have days where it's slow. Um, it's just the way it is. I mean, right. You know what I mean? It's, you can't, you can't expect every single time to be the greatest ever. Because then it actually wouldn't be fun anymore. Right. It, it, there would be no challenge. You wouldn't. Right. Uh, and, and like I said, I mean, you, you have the, uh, 
the tournament aspect. We were, sure. we were talking about that on the water because I used to be a tournament uh, director. I yeah. put on a tournament in California. And it's a thankless job sometimes. It's, it's like, you know, yeah. it, and you, you do it because you love it. Exactly. You love it because you love the community and you want to do stuff. And when you get some negativity comes back at you, it, it, people don't understand that, you know, you've put your heart and soul into this right. and it can be a little frustrating yeah. when people come at you. Yeah, you know, I, it's like, you know, I did my best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was telling you on the water, you know, Jim and I were talking about tournaments and, you know, what it takes to run them and what goes into them and all the work. And, you know, I've had death threats. Um, I've had people call my wife terrible names. Um, so, and, and for the record, guys, you know, that, that maybe on the West Coast that don't know this, these guys put on the absolutely best tournament series there is. Nice. These things are done like a professional. I mean, a lot of our tournaments on the West Coast, the kayak fishing tournaments anyway, are very low-key yeah. and, you know, almost a money between friends sometimes. And these guys put on – it, it's an event. Yes. It is an event. I mean, you go there, they get the stage set up. Uh, they got the champagne going. I mean, yeah. these are class events. And they're, the, the reason that these, I mean, I'm not a tournament guy. I've yeah. always said this, but your tournaments have always appealed to me because, A, they're offshore, which you just don't see many. Our tournament was always offshore, yeah. Yeah. but you don't see a lot of offshore tournaments. They're big game stuff. Location's key. The, yeah, and, and it's just uh, a super cool, very well. I've been watching from the periphery for a long time. And then we were, had the opportunity to come to the Battle in the Bahamas, and we saw how that was. Yeah. And the, the sailfish one, obviously, being a, a lover of catching billfish off the kayak, right. that tournament, I, I, I had to come for that. Yes. And curse it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim. But, yeah, that was going to be my question is, you know, what makes our tournaments appealing for you guys? Because I, I, I think it's, it's awesome that you guys come here. And, you know, we want to show, you know, people in California and the world you know, how, what we are and what we do here on the East Coast. And, um, you know, I modeled for people that don't know um, these tournaments after the big boat tournaments that I used to fish in New Jersey growing up and even some of the big tournaments here in South Florida. Uh, everyone wants to feel um, just wanted and, and you want to get amped up and we have that shotgun start in the morning and, you know, every, we got music playing and everyone's getting amped and then we do the shoot off. And let me tell you, I mean, even if you don't catch a fish, it's exciting. And that, that's what we wanted to bring to kayak fishing was that excitement, that pro feeling of, just, right. you know, even if you, you see the winners, you see the five $10,000 checks, the beautiful girls, the champagne showers. I mean, that was the goal that we had. And, um, and, and to have you guys come and, and to two tournaments now. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting. No, like I that. said, I mean, I appreciate it, they, they are, they are run like no other tournament I've ever seen kayak fishing wise. And, and that's what appealed to me. Like I said, every of those aspects that I described. And so, you know, like I said, it's a shame we weren't able to actually see it this time. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, the people that watch the show, Joey is going to get us some footage when yeah. the tournament actually does happen. So we're going to we'll get, get some cool stuff. Yeah. So that'll be included in the show, even if we didn't actually get to be a part of it. Right. But I mean, Billfish off the kayak. I mean, it, there, there's, there's nothing there, better. Yeah, um, no, no. There's the apex. The, the funny part is when we did so the very first tournament, uh, that tournament actually put extreme on the map because that very first selfish tournament, it was funny. We barely had any locals, which is the crazy part because they all thought it couldn't be done. You can't have a billfish kayak tournament. No one's going to get any billfish. And uh, we ended up getting guys from Oklahoma that flew here for the tournament, or I think they drove. But um, they ended up winning the event. And when those guys from a landlocked state 
won a sailfish tournament in South Florida, it changed everything for our business. It was, it was unbelievable. So now it proved that it can be done, that right. multiple sailfish can be caught. And our winner last year won with four sailfish. That's, a, that's absolutely amazing. So, I mean, it's, 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 well, I mean, they said that it can't be done back in the day when I caught my first billfish off the kayak, right. You know, this was just crazy. I, that was 1998. I caught my first Marlin striped Marlin off the kayak in, awesome, in San Diego. Man. And people were like, didn't believe me. Yeah. Well, you can't troll fast enough for a Marlin. I'm like, oh, they don't get it. yeah, I mean, I'm not trolling a feather. I go, a live bait looks natural. You know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, we're trolling live mackerel out there. And, but people, they were doubters. And, you know, so we just go out and do it again. <laughs> and that's the thing. I, I feel like in the beginning, you know, when I started, obviously it was way later than you. It was, it was the mid 2000s. But when I started, the pictures were everything. And I was obsessed with getting the best pictures possible to promote something that was just an idea at the time. Right. And, um, you know, I was on a roll catching all these wahoo. A lot of people know me, you know, as the Wahoo guy or the big Mahi Mahi. Right, right. Past. And, um, you know, a lot of it was luck, but a lot of it was dialing in, you know, the right moons, um, the currents, outgoing tide, full moon, five days after, you know, all that stuff played in. But when we started consistently getting these Wahoo, 60 pounds, 50 pounds, 40 pounds, whatever, um, that's when it was getting to a point where people were like, Joe. When you get to put on a tournament, you right? Know, we, it's, it's time. It's and that's kind of how it grew. But it was from the pictures. Yeah, we have you know we have yellowtail, we have white sea bass. Uh, we don't get those kind of fish in San yeah. Diego unless we have an El Nino, where we occasionally get the yellowfin, bluefin. I mean, right. that is an El Nino year when I caught my marlin, uh, wahoo, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm, I mean, have a to have a fishery where you can get onto those pelagic species. Pa- uh, paddling from the beach. Right. I mean, very jealous of that yeah. for sure. I mean, cause there's not many places you can do that. I can do that down in Mexico. Right. Uh, you can do it, you know, farther South. Uh, of course they can do it in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, but there's not many places in mainland USA where you have an opportunity to paddle out yeah. to that kind of fish. And that's, that's why I wanted to come here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, South, here's the beauty of Pompano Beach in South Florida. We have two major runs. Actually, I would say three. Three major fish runs that I think is, is kind of the staple of South Florida is, you know, number one, in the wintertime, obviously, you got the sailfish run. And you got all those sailfish just coming right through, uh, thousands of them. And then if you get dialed in and you find that right depth, I mean, you can pick off 10 to 20 of them on a good day. Uh, but then we have... You know, the tuna run in the summertime, in the beginning of the summer, you got all those big, you know, fat, juicy blackfin tuna. And that's our SummerSlam part one event in early June. And then the golden, the best part of South Florida is in August, the Wahoo run. And those Wahoo, I I don't know where they come from. I'm guessing the Bahamas, but these big breeders come through and these things are 70 pounds, 60 pounds. Uh, Some kid got a 90 something pound. Wow. There's 100 pounders caught. It's unbelievable. And if you cut them open, you see the, the marrow come out. So they're, they're coming through and they're breeding. But we have that moon dialed in for the final event of the year. And last year, a 71-pound wahoo. I'm not lying. You can go to right. the website and see the pictures. That's an amazing fish. Amazing fish. 71-pound wahoo won the tournament. Um, and there, there is no better eating fish Exactly. Than <laughs> no. well, I mean, I got the tattoo on my arm. I mean, I am obsessed with wahoo. It is the goldfish. 
Um, it, it's they're just amazing, amazing. And you know, I mean, I tell people if you come here, you better have well over 300 yards of line in SummerSlam too, because those things will take off. And, yeah, and and again, I think here and Hawaii are are yeah. really the the two places where where people have a, a legitimate yeah. shot at Wahoo. Definitely. We we had a guy get a 72 pounder off his kayak in San Diego. Awesome. But again, El Nino year. Yeah, I mean, it never happened before. Right, right. So it, it's it's an amazing and an amazing fishery you have here. Now, have you have you got wahoo in uh, California? Well, I said yourself. No, okay. no, I but said you got we, the striped marlin. I got the striped marlin, uh, yellowfin and bluefin tuna, dorado. You got bluefin, huh? Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, not not big, uh, forty two pounds. Okay. But uh, the fact that it, the funny thing was, this was an El Nino year. I had never caught a yellowfin or a bluefin off of my kayak locally and i caught them both the same year uh again el nino love el nino <laughs> warm water <laughs> so the bluefin tuna i gotta ask you number one what was your gear because i'm sure people are gonna ask what were you using um and has there been people that have been in schools of these things where you got like three people doubled over and maybe someone get a 60 pounder yeah well there i don't i don't know i don't know of any that were um any really big ones okay uh 50 pounders. The ones we were catching are a little bit more close to store, the small schoolies. Okay. Uh, we certainly have had some big bluefin, but oh, they've been. They're there, I'm sure. Yeah, there's been some big ones offshore. Uh, the gear, you know, I am I'm a proponent of small gear. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Am too. I, I don't. I, I think so many guys use such big reels that you don't need. And, and I actually did a, a video about this uh, recently. And it was talking about the size gear that you need because you're, when you're in a kayak and people just sometimes don't realize the kayak is drag. Exactly. I mean, I've landed and, and had on quite a few marlin on my kayak. I've never, I mean, fishing reels that are, you know, this big, right. You know, the, the, um, Siegler large game or large game narrow, uh, or for people who don't know, just say a, a pen 500 because everybody right. knows the pen 500 size. I've never had a billfish get more than, a third of the way into my spool. That's interesting. I fish a really tight drag. Okay. I've had sailfish like go on a major run, but they come in quick. Yeah. So they, yeah. so they get tired real fast. Uh, whereas Wahoo are more like two runs and then they're, they're totally done. They'll come up almost dead. Um, but that's interesting. I fish a really tight drag. Huh. And cause I've always said, why give them line? No, I, I, I'm already giving them my kayak. Yeah, and let's, they, not, let's not play around. Yeah, let's they, just get them up. They are they're they're taking my kayak wherever they want. So the kayak is drag. drag yeah. So why give them line too? Yeah. Use your kayak uh, as the, a tool. Yeah. That you're never pulling as hard on a fish as you think you are. Right. Because the kayak is moving, and I'll always say this: like if you want to find out how hard you can pull, snag twenty pound mono on the bottom, and try to break it in a kayak. Because like that. that's it stretches, right. the swells going up and down. I mean, huh. I've landed a uh, pretty big yellowtail and white sea bass, and yeah, I got a 67 pound thresher shark on six pound test. You, yeah, I mean, said you're yeah. just never pulling that hard as long as you got the right leader. Damn, you know, you, you that's can, epic. Yeah, it's and I landed that that thresher, the 67 pound thresher, I landed it in about. 25 minutes wow and they're a strong jumping fish yeah. you know i mean i agree with you i mean listen my slogan was always less is more when you're fishing offshore because 
I'll see these guys lined up on the beach and they'll have, you know, six or seven rods with them on their kayak. And they're, they're, you know, they're just full to the max of just everything you can think of. And when I used to go out and catch 60 pound plus Wahoo all the time with my good friend, Doug, we would go out and we'd have a bubbler and a bucket and I'd have two rods, one on the bottom, one with an egg weight. And I'd go stealthy with 40 pound leader you know, and, a, and, a, and then a little bit of wire with, with a treble. And that was it. And right. our hooks were small. There were three O hooks. I mean, I was catching consistent Wahoo, Billfish, Blackfin tuna on three O hooks. I mean, right. well, for instance, I okay. love little hooks. As that, long as they're strong. That first Marlin, I was fishing for yellowtail. And this was before. Really? This was, this was before. Well, we don't have yellow. We don't have Marlin. You know, it's, this was a, a, just a random catch. And you fish for the yellowtail on the bottom, though? No, no. Our yellowtail are the uh, like an amberjack. Okay, so you're so kind of yeah. This is slow trolling a live mackerel. All right, I got you. Okay, so this is before the days of braid. Right. I was fishing twenty pound mono straight tied to a two aught hook. Really. And that fish dragged me eight miles for two and a half hours. Jesus. And let me ask you this real quick. Now I'm a big lover of just I don't like braid. Now that's just me personally. I love braid. I like the old school you know, line and, and Tamano and just, right. I mean, I, I just feel like it's just better. I don't know. I, I love braid. You're a big braid. I, I love braid. And maybe it's cause I'm cheap. Um, mono, you're constantly having to change your Very line true. Very true. and braid. I don't. So I like, I use cigar line. I use their uh, Threadlock hollow core braid. Okay. And so I love the hollow core loop to loop connections, knotless connections. Right. So I make my own wind on leaders so I'll make like a 20-foot fluorocarbon leader. So I've got very little stretch in my whole setup. So then I'll have a rod that's maybe got a little bit of softer tip for that shock absorption. Sure. But, yeah, I love braid. And we have – in San Diego, we have a lot of kelp. So a yellowtail loves to run in kelp. So, so you look for the kelp and you're fishing around that. No, we're talking growing kelp. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like a it's big kelp, plant, right, yeah. that goes upward. Yeah, so you have the kelp beds that run all along the coast. And these fish will swim right along the edges of it. And then when you hook up, they love to run into the kelp. Uh, and they will break you off. So with the braid, it'll cut through the kelp. So we call it a kelp cutter rig. Uh, so you, you need that abrasion resistance that you don't get from mono. Right. If, if a yellowtail wraps in kelp with mono and you're trying to get that out and that mono's just stretching, yeah. it's, it's brutal. You want them to be able to cut through it. And those sea bass get gigantic sea right? bass get really big um my biggest sea bass um a couple of years ago was 62 pounds okay uh i think the world record's close to 100 pounds Jeez. um but they don't fight compared comparative comparatively speaking they make one really good first run right and then they're done my biggest at 62 pounders yeah i i had on my kayak in less than five minutes really yeah do they just come up kind of like a grouper where they're kind of bubbling and they just kind of lace? They fight and fight and then go, whoop, and they just roll over. Yep. And, yeah. and so this – actually, the, the funny story on that 62-pounder, it was a squid bite. We had a squid float. Yeah. So out there, and all of a sudden, my line just takes off. I just grab it, and I, I'm a big fan of lever drag reels. So I just throw it into gear, and like I said, I fish a really tight drag. So I just put my head down. I was like, ooh, 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 just, just grinding. How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> and I literally had the fish up much faster than I realized. Yeah. And I slammed him into the bottom of my kayak. 
So it was like, woo, 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 boom. Damn. And then he just rolled Knocked up. Knocked him out? Yeah, he did, it literally. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it, it was, to say it was probably closer to two minutes than five would not be an exaggeration on how fast I landed that fish. Right. So, like I said, the white sea bass are, are delicious. Yeah. I mean, they don't, it's very, very good eating. Um, sure, you and get a lot of meat from it. Oh, yeah, it? yeah. And they're impressive because they're a very long fish. Yeah. But fighting-wise, I'd much rather catch a yellowtail. Okay. Yellowtail will hurt you. So they're just like an amberjack. Yeah, really. yeah. They, they, they make your arms ache. They, right. They... My first amberjack here in South Florida kicked the shit out of me. Right. I mean, I, I was I, – first of all, I hooked into it. It was my first amberjack ever. And, you know, you hear stories about these fish, but then when you actually fight it, I mean, this thing kicked my butt. I could, I'm sitting there, and I, listen, I'm not a little guy, and this thing is doubled over, like, in the water. I mean, my kayak is tilted all the way to the side. The thing was like a 60-plus pounder. I mean, just that's a, a beast. That's a beast. A beast. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, I got him on a jig, so I'm, like, reeling up the jig fast, and then it just stopped. And then, like, it's almost yeah, like, I don't know if... There's not much better than oh, that. Oh, yeah, it just stops, and it's like the fish knows, and you know at the same time, and then it, you go opposite ways instantly. And then it starts screaming, and, you know, when I brought this thing up, I almost fell out of the kayak, and I think <laughs> one of them threw Freddy out of the kayak uh, a while back when I was fishing with him, but, I mean, these fish are monsters. Yeah, so. they're so strong, and like you said, if you're getting them on the jig, and, and like, we get uh, Big Yellowtail in New Zealand, and that same thing, we're doing the uh, mechanical jigging or vertical jigging, and just... And man, when that jig just stops, yeah. I mean, nothing is like that because it, it literally is like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just exactly. it just bends you over. Particularly again, you you fish that really tight drag because you got to keep them out of the structure. Right, right. It's like just hang on, and that's what I learned. I actually learned how hard I could pull on a fish was in New Zealand. Yeah, because we were fishing eighty pound line, uh, eighty pound braid, eighty pound cigar fluoro. And getting smoked and so we just like tighten the drag and yeah. then another fish you'd get smoked and you just tighten the drag and then you got to the point of just like okay i i can pull a lot harder i can Damn, fish a man. much tighter drag than i ever realized yeah or we were fishing with our buddy jay i mean we can tell fishing stories all day but i know i love it. Oh, fishing with our buddy jay got arms almost as big as yours yeah um and he is we're on the, up against this island, right? Right. And it just drops straight down. And he gets on a big yellowtail. And he's got one foot pushing against the island. And the other, his rod is bent in half. That's awesome. And he, and he lands the fish, yeah. you know? But it's all because he's just fishing lockdown drag. You cannot give him any line or they're going to rock you. Yeah. And, and like I said, that's where I learned about how hard I, I, I could pull and how tight of a drag I could put on that reel. Now, are you going to do an Alaskan, like a, are you going to do an Alaskan trip anytime soon? Have you done one before? I've done Alaska, Alaska. a I few haven't times. Seen any of those yeah, we've done Alaska a few times. We've had uh, uh, some weather issues uh, there as well, but you know, of course that's Alaska and, right. and you're dealing Snowing. with it. Um, never snow, rain, wind, um, but we've got some really good fish, some big halibut, yeah. big lingcod. That's my dream, man. Well, I'm, our I'm buddy, monster halibut. Well, our buddy Howard, uh, I think still holds the record for the largest, uh, halibut, which was, uh, 183. Jesus. And that was 100% solo on his kayak. Uh, or oh, I shouldn't even say on his kayak, but he was solo. He got it on the kayak. And then because he knew he couldn't physically land it on the kayak. Right. He paddled it 
under while kind of with the rod out, paddled it to an island, got off the kayak, pulled it up onto shore, and then was able to actually land it, strapped it down on the kayak, and then paddled it home. We had a guest, uh, Joel Ambers. Oh yeah, Joel. Yeah, and um, and he was talking about his fish, and you know we saw his pictures. Uh, man, I, I mean, just to see those halibut that he catches, and he was talking about, you know, bringing his kayak in like a river, like a saltwater river, and like you, he would spot cast for him, and these things oh, wow. were just gigantic. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I believe he got like the biggest shark or something. Yeah, well, he's got that big. Um... What kind of shark? What are they is that? like Norwegian sharks or something like that? Yeah. What What's is that? it? No, 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 no. Uh, some... Greenland. Yeah, like a Greenland yeah, shark. Yeah, Greenland shark. Like but I mean, epic. But the re- it, it, twelve hundred pound fish, I think they're estimating. But the reality. Yeah. I mean, he landed it in an hour. Oh, did he? Did he really? Yeah. So, I think he was more just a winch. I don't think those things pull at all. Yeah. You know, I- impressive as hell. Just being able to wind the thing he's up. He's a riot. Have you talked? I mean, you oh, know. Oh, I, yeah, we've met him. Um, we fished with him. You met him. him. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about how he hooked himself in his paint on the podcast. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I hooked my paint. I mean, that guy is a riot. I yeah, mean, I think that was episode cool. three or four. We had him on, so it was he was he was really cool to talk. To yeah. Him. Oh, you know what? We've we've been to Sweden. Um, I've been twice. We shot the show there once. We're probably going back this year. Right. Uh, wonderful people and what a great kayak fishing community over there too cool uh, the whole european team is a riot that's awesome yeah great great people so like i said we're probably going back this year that actually brings me to my next question is where do you see like the future of of kayak fishing and then maybe where do you see the future of the offshore part of it because i, I it seems like that's kind of the newer segment that's kind of starting to build steam well it's funny because the offshore has always been around yeah where we are Right, and it's where the the primary growth in, growth in kayak fishing has been bass fishing, because right. it's getting that every guy out. Not everybody wants to go offshore. Correct. Uh, so the growth has really been in the bass fishing aspect, but I think you know, just as it keeps going, people are going to see what one guy does and they're going to try and one up it. Sure. You know, some of it is fantastic. Some of it is just they're doing it for attention, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, some just ridiculous stuff. Right. Um, I mean, I could name some people, but I won't, uh, that just make us all look like idiots, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the sport overall, I mean, it's going to keep growing because I mean, it, it's still the most affordable way for guys to get out there. Right. And although like I said, I'm not a tournament guy, tournaments like yours that are run the way they are, are just so cool. And the, and the tournaments in the bass segment are really helping grow that sport. Sure. They're getting a lot more notoriety. Um, Chad's doing his tournament. And what, how much is that prize for Chad's tournament? Hundred thousand dollar payout on a on for kayak fishing. That's crazy. That's crazy. I no, mean, I, it, with it, his it, tournament, so doesn't he have like boat divisions and stuff like that? No, it's all, no, it's all it's, strictly yeah, kayaks. it's okay. kayaks. I mean, he does allow uh, electric motors on the on the kayaks. Uh, um, I think that's a sponsorship okay. thing, but you know. Uh, you know, and I don't have a problem with people putting. I I don't agree with motors on uh, kayaks in tournaments personally. Yeah, I I, I, I don't believe it. in the sales on kayaks in yeah, tournaments. Yeah. Um, you know, I it, will say though, you want to hear a crazy stat? So we get, I would say, per tournament, five to six guys that have to sail, right? 
and they have never weighed in a fish. <laughs> That's amazing. So you Is have guys. Crazy? Who, so they're sailors, not fishermen. I mean, yeah. I mean, these guys go out and they've never won one. And right, I think, would think I, they have an advantage. I would. Reality, I think. I think they do have an advantage to it personally. But like I said, you know, everybody's going to have their own rules that fit what yeah. the, what they're doing, and and I can respect that as long as the rules are written down and everybody sure. knows them. You know, you and could you, put. You ran tournaments for yeah. How many years? Uh, we did ours for 11 years. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you have your, your rules, and as long as everybody knows them, that's what it is. So stick stick with them. I always tell people it's like the NFL. Every year the NFL's got an add-in rule, change a rule, something to a rule. It, it, the, for our tournaments, anyway, it's just like that because you're always going to have a guy push the limit to where you got to add something. Right. Or you got to, you know, maybe not change it but tweak it word-wise because someone's going to read it a certain way and – you know, it's it, and when people ask me, I'm like, listen, look at the NFL. Look at what happens every year. They're adding like 20 to 30 rules every year. Right. They're taking away 20 to 30 rules every year. So it's in any sport, stuff like that's going to happen. Well, it's got to grow. It's got to change and adapt to to what's going on there. But adapt, but, yeah. but like I said, you know, yeah, I'll get people like because I've got a torpedo motor that I use once in a while on my kayak. And every if anybody gives you a hard time, it's like you know, don't tell me how to have fun. Right. You know, and I'm not going to give anybody a hard time for having pedals on their kayak right. uh, or for having a motor or, the, or a sail. It's like, you know what? That guy's got a smile on his face. He's having a good time. Why, why do we have to become so judgmental about stuff like that? Exactly. We're all out there just to have fun. Yeah. You know, if it's in a tournament, that's a different story. Yeah. You just want people on the same playing field and following the right yeah. rules. But on your day-to-day stuff, just like mothershipping. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the abuse that I've taken about mothershipping. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, we're shooting a TV show. We've always got a camera boat with us. Yeah, I want to talk about the drama. Let's talk about the drama. (laughs) Well, I mean, just to give you a hard time because you're using a boat. Now, like, for instance, I I, uh, used to do guided trips down into southern Baja. Okay. And we would always have a support boat. It's a safety boat. I got clients out there catching marlin and everything else and getting dragged for miles. I got a safety boat. Hey, we got, like. Five or six of them. Yeah, and them. and so for to start our day, say if we were from the the hotel and we're going to go to this place where we catch roosters, right? We'll drag the kayaks down there because it's five miles. Because I want my clients to have more time fishing and less time paddling. But then from that five mile, once they get to that spot, they are paddling all day long. Yeah. And then people say, oh well, they mothership there. It's like, well, didn't didn't you drive to the beach? Yeah. Am I supposed to walk with my kayak over my head for it to actually count? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why are you judging on how you're doing it? As long as, you know, we're straight up honest. We're not saying, you know, we're paddling 30 miles offshore and then, you know, and then hooking a fish. We're saying exactly what we're doing. The way I look at it, Jim, is there's always going to be that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) They they want to, they want to judge you. And it's like I said, don't, don't tell me how to have fun. Yeah. (laughs) And I won't tell you how to have fun. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I, I think, um, for me, now going into my seventh year running these events, um, I will say for the better that I've seen, um, at least with my tournament series, is when I first started, these guys were really cutthroat. And some of the guys were taking some of the fun out of the sport. And uh, we were swift in our actions. And since then, I think the tournaments have been a blast. So it's, it's I think the, the camaraderie, or I can't say that word, bing. But it's, it's really been uh, 10 times better. I think sometimes you just got to make a stand and stick by it. Yeah, and that's what I love about the tournaments. And that's what I – like with the old boondoggles these guys did. 
Those were great what were those like. Well, I only ever went to one, but it was just a great gathering of like-minded people. There was no competition, okay, other than personal competition, as we always do, you right. know, out fishing your buddy. But it was just a great hangout. Yeah, you know, a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, a little bit of fishing. Brooksy over there knows a lot more about them because he went to a bunch of them. But I mean, now, do those still go on? Brooks, do they still do them? Yeah, I guess so. I, I know the guys who initially were doing them sold their company. Oh, okay. So it, it's taken up, been taken over by somebody else. I haven't heard as much about them since then. Okay. But it's still, I mean, like I said, it's just when you have like-minded people just hanging out and talking about the sport we love, that's when it's cool. Right. It's when it gets that cutthroat, you know, people pushing the rules or going over the line on the rules. Yeah. You know, you read about that with some of these bass tournaments for sure, yeah. you know, where guys were changing their measuring board. Yeah. Like I said, in some respects, I've always felt tournaments can, can bring out the worst in people. I agree. Yeah. And, and as long as you, like you said, you put your foot down immediately, yeah. you know, with that. And, I, and we had to do that with ours. Um, it lets, every, it, it lets everybody know where you stand and that it is just about out here. We are right. out. It's a competition, we but we're out fun. here having fun. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like me and you, for instance, you know, like the, the tournament got winded out. Okay. Is what it is. We still went out there, caught some bass, caught some dead iguana, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was awesome. You know, I mean, we still had a good time, you know, yeah, we're hanging I mean, out, we're taking we, some shots, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing this if we, you know, didn't love the sport. Right. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. It's just, you know, love the sport, kayak fishing. I mean, as a whole, it's. Well, I mean, just doing this. I I love doing this. I love sharing the passion of the sport. Yeah. I love talking about it. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I spend a lot more time doing that than I do the actual fishing part. Yeah. Um, That's all I do now. <laughs> I'm, I'm semi-retired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just, yeah. it's harder to get on the water, but, you know, I, I never turn down a phone call from somebody who just asks questions. Yeah. Because I just love sharing the information about it. What's the last question here, but what's the biggest advice you would give to someone that is just starting in the sport and looks up to your show and, and, you know, just, just wants some information. Like what would you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I would say if you have a kayak fishing guide in your area, hire them, hire them for a day, right? Because they're going to cut your learning curve. They're going to keep you. I mean, and I'm not going to say all of them because I mean, there's good guys and bad guys, but they're going to keep you from making the little mistakes right. that I made because there was nobody to teach me how to kayak fish. Sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, 25 plus years of knowledge yeah. that I, uh, you know, and it's little things. Sure. You know, it's always a little, it's thing. little things just like not winding in too close. You know, always give yourself a rod's length of line so you're not fighting the rod, fighting the equipment. Yeah. You know, just little things. But, you know, you take people out there that and you don't tell them that and you watch and they're winding fish up to the tip of their rod and then they're dunking the reels in the water. Yeah. So it's just by hiring a guide. I did that yesterday. (laughs) But by hiring a guide, getting some good instruction, if you're going to be a paddler, you know, learn some good paddling technique, get some instruction on that. Right. It's it it's invaluable. I mean, it's, it's going to take you a long way. It's going to shorten that learning curve, make you a more successful uh, kayak angler and a much safer kayak angler and always wear your PFD. 
You're right there, Jim. <laughs> I think Jim gets mad at me sometimes from, from a long time ago. Yeah. I was well, kind of the, I was a bad boy back then. Yeah, I just decided the PFD thing is It's important. I mean, it, listen, kids look up to what, you know, someone like you does. Um, and they're going to watch you on TV and then just like anyone else. I mean, kids look up to maybe Freddie. I mean, I don't know. And, and if he's not wearing Freddy? a PFD, yeah, who? And, um, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it is important. And, um, well, that's a, it, it, my, my thing has always been, if you're going to put yourself in a position, yourself in a position where people are kind of looking up to you, right. Just set a good example because the reality is, and I hate to ever bring this stuff up, but it, I do bring it up. Is people die doing this sport? Sure. And it's usually it's it's most of those people who die are not wearing a PFD. Yeah. And watch some of the videos that are out there. I mean, there's a guy in a canal. Uh, I saw a video uh, got posted where a boat comes around a corner and just damn near sideswipes. And there's another guy in one that gets hit by the boat. And luckily nobody got hurt in these instances. Right. But they certainly could have gone. I mean, well, what's that one with that boat? It was all all over the internet recently. These guys are fishing out of a boat, and another boat comes, and they all have to jump off their boat because this big boat runs them over. I saw that. That was unbelievable. In cold water, you know, it's just like stuff has. The thing is that things can go wrong so quickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not the PFD isn't for that time. Oh, I'm going to jump off my kayak and go for a swim. Right. You know, right. It, things can happen, yeah. and the PFD can save your life. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm adamant about it. Yeah, yeah. No, you should be. And uh, you know, we make sure our anglers have them in our tournament series, and also have a radio. So I yeah, mean, for us, that's really important too. Um, but hey, man, listen, I really appreciate you coming down, especially doing the podcast. And sorry, I got winded out. I mean, maybe that's your fault. I, I brought it. <laughs> But, I carry a wind machine with me everywhere I go. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, you come to maybe one of the Summer Slam series. Um, usually in the summertime, the weather here is way better. Uh, but for those people that are still interested in the Sailfish Smackdown, uh, it's February 10th and 11th. The kickoff party is February 9th at Brews Room in Pompano Beach. We're going to have a huge raffle that benefits the Broward's Children's Center. And uh, Jim, you're the man, dude. Thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun, man. Hey, buddy, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll keep you posted on what we're doing on the rest of this trip.